Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Well, good morning, Grace. We are going to continue our worship through looking into God's Word, because that's what this is. This is worship. Like, we show up here and we think we're supposed to watch something, listen to something. This is worship. This is turning our attention off ourselves and on to the God who made us and loves us and pursues us. That's what worship is. And that's what we're here for. And man, isn't it so good to get your head and your heart off yourself? Because man, is anybody else a mess here? I've been a mess this week. Can I be honest? There's, a, there's not even a whole lot, of, lot going wrong in my life. No major tragedy. Nothing that comparing outward, I could say, this is really going wrong. I'm just a mess inside at times, folks. And I, and I find I need to get my head and my heart off myself and onto the God who's in control of it all because I forget that. So we're going we're gonna to continue our worship looking into his word. Before we do that, I've got I, I to have an announcement. And, and, and this, you know what? This can be worship too because <laughs> our God is control of next, in, in control of next week too, Right? So we can turn our attention to next week and say, with great expectation, God is going to move next week. He's going to move, uh, well, he might move in this building, but if he moves you in this building, you'll be alone, because we'll be at Summit Grove. <laughs> next week, we'll be having our worship service there. There will be one service, not 9, not 11, 10 o'clock in the morning. We'll be worshiping together, uh, lifting him up in song, uh, turning him to worship as we open his word at 10 o'clock, and then you can plan to stay uh, just going to have a family day, hang out, have, have a meal together. Uh, you can bring your own food, but we did finally figure out the food situation. <laughs> so we got some pit beef sandwiches, sloppy joe sandwiches. There's a whole menu out there. You can pre-purchase tickets in our lobby today for meals. That helps us plan the food. But there will be, uh, you can just purchase day of too. Um, but that's at a, at a table in the lobby. You can purchase by uh, credit card, uh, cash, or check. So uh, you can go do that. Um, what else do I need to tell you? I need to tell you that um, we need some help putting this on. So if you, if you want to show up at, hey, you're the nine o'clockers. If you want to show up at nine o'clock at Summit Grove, we could use you. Just uh, sign up in the volunteer sheet out in the lobby and, um, and be there for that. And then also uh, stay for early afternoon because after lunch around 1.30, 2 o'clock, we are going to have baptisms. It's been a little while. It's been a little while, but we're going to celebrate together. The fact that our brother, other brothers and sisters who've said yes to Jesus Christ, who God has been working on their lives, and this is a symbol that we're called to follow of just, Jesus, I, you did it all. I die to myself because myself done work. And so I die to myself, and so we, we put you under the water because we are with Christ in his death. We have died to ourselves. And then when we bring you up out of the water, and, and we will, <laughs> Well, I'll only leave you up under for a second. But we will bring you up out of the water, and that's a symbol of our resurrection, that we, are, we have a new life in Jesus Christ. And, and our life is now not, not lived for ourselves and in and of ourselves, but for him. And, and, and that's what baptism is. So, it, man, let's, 
get together and celebrate next week, okay? So plan to stay for that. If you want to be baptized, if you're ready to take that, that next step in your journey of faith as a reflection of, of your fellowship with Christ, you can sign up uh, in the lobby. You can also, if you're watching online, you can email for any of these things that I talked about. You can email connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. And, and you can sign up and we'll talk to you about baptism and, and, and just make, make sure you're ready to just uh, come and celebrate that. So that's, that's all next week, all right? So uh, are, are we gonna look forward with anticipation of next week? Yeah, praise God. Um, and now we can look forward with anticipation as we open God's word, not because I'm anything special, but because God's word is super special, all right? Super incredible. These are the words of life. You're not gonna find them anywhere else. So l- l- let me just pray for our time and then we'll get into God's word. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence here. God, I, th- I thank you that in the midst of this mess and the chaos of our own lives and our own heads and the world, we can turn to you and look at you and have confidence that you are still on your throne, God, that you're still in control that you hold the future in your hands. More importantly, you, you hold us in your hands. You've known every single one of us since before we were born. You saw in our mother's womb as we were formed. And, and you saw ahead of time all, every single one of our days, everything we would go through, everything we would experience, all the lies we'd believe. You saw it all, Lord. And in our brokenness, you pursued us. And I thank you that you're pursuing us still. I thank you that you're pursuing us this morning, even as we look to your word. You're already looking at us. So God, I I just pray that you would help us to have soft hearts. If we've never had soft hearts to your word before, I pray that this morning you would do a work and break the hard soil of our hearts so that we might hear from you. God, thank you. This is a work we can't do. You gotta do it all. So Lord, I I ask that you would speak um, to us this morning and that we would be ready listeners. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So we are continuing our journey through the gospel of John. We're in John chapter eight, starting in verse 31. And I was looking at this passage and um, I don't know if you know that we have a plan for where we're going in John and, and, and kind of what sections we're going to preach on week to week. So we kind of know the plan ahead of time. And, and we're going through this gospel slowly. And I looked and I knew I was going to, that, that coming up ahead, I was going to preach on this passage. The truth will set you free. And I was like, oh, that's, that's going to be a fun message to preach. That's going to be a good message to preach. And then I looked at the scripture list. And, and I saw that the verses I was supposed to preach on this morning did not stop at like verse, verse 33 or 35. It went a little further. Because after, and, and, and I didn't like that. And so in fact, this has been one of the hardest messages I've ever prepped because, because not only does Jesus say words like this, the truth will set you free. Just a few verses later, he says, you're sons of the devil to these people. He says to these people, you are sons of Satan. How do we work, how do we work that? It's not a message I want to preach. It's not a word I want to hear, but it's the word in front of us this morning. So, uh, so yeah, get ready. (laughs) 
I'm interested to hear it too. I told, I told somebody backstage, I don't know, like trust in the spirit for this one. John chapter eight, verse 31. Jesus says this, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Those are good words, aren't they? Don't you look forward to those words? They set you up with great expectation. In fact, these words are really, one of the things that we like about these words is, is that the world really likes these words. The truth will set you free. This is quoted all over the place. I looked up online and I, I, I could find this. Uh, th- this has been the title of memoirs for countless people, Christian and non-Christian. This has been the title of self-help books, The Truth Will Set You Free. This has been used in yoga meditation videos, Islamic messages, messages around the Buddhist faith and Buddhist med- meditation. It, it is chiseled into the stone of buildings on the University of Texas the University of Portland, John Hopkins University, and a whole bunch of other colleges and universities I couldn't even name. You go to the, you're going to see it chiseled under the building. The truth will set you free. It's even chiseled on the Central Intelligence Agency. Has it on their building. Why, why is this phrase so popular? I think there's two reasons this is so popular. The first is that there's some intrinsic thing here that that kind of we don't, we don't know how to define even sometimes, but I think we make this connection that there's, around the corner, there's this, this truth, this next revelation that I'm gonna find about myself or about the world. And when I discover that revelation, oh, it's gonna set me free. It's gonna set me free. So I, I think there's a truth here that connects. There's something intrinsic that's, that we say, yeah, in our souls, this, this feels right. Here's the other reason I think it's super popular is that most people have absolutely no idea what Jesus is actually saying here. None. Here's here's what I mean by that. How how does our culture define truth today? How do we determine truth? The truth will set you free. How am I going to discover what that truth is? Because that truth is going to set me free. Well, you know, we we pride ourselves on being in, in the age of reason and scientific discovery. And we believe things because of hard evidence and science. And so we proudly declare that if I'm going to discover the truth about the world, I'm going to test and I'm going to experiment and I'm going to find evidence and I'm going to test hypothesis. And whatever is true, whatever is out there, that's what I'm going to discover. And that is true. Except as soon as we turn our eyes off the physical world, right? As soon as we turn our eyes on our ourselves or our life or meaning and purpose in the world. Now realize when we do that, the stakes just got a whole lot higher for our lives. I'm not saying the scientific and physical world don't matter. Like gravity, that's super important. Couldn't live without that. But, but in our day-to-day lives, meaning and purpose and our value and our identity and, and, and ultimate truth in the universe, is there a God? Isn't there a God? We're turning these... The stakes are really high in this stuff. And you know what we're saying determines the truth here? My feelings. Try to tell somebody in the world these days, go to a university these days, secular university, some, some other universities too. Go there and, and they're going to say, how do you discover truth? Well, you look inside yourself. Because what, what feels right is true. And we determine our truth by our feelings. And, and so you hear things like, well, that, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. I mean, and that doesn't define my experience. That doesn't define how I feel, so that's not true for me. 
And, and here's the, the question I have about that. If you determine truth, who's in charge? You. How's that working? <laughs> yeah, that is scary. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Here's the other thing, though, because I have to define truth because here's the other way, thing that we define wrong. Freedom. What is freedom? Freedom is having nobody else in charge of me. Right? Coming up in July 4th, we're going to celebrate Independence Day. What is independence? That is the day we broke free from the governing authority of Britain. And we declared that we will have no one rule over us. We will rule ourselves, and that's freedom. And listen, this has absolutely nothing to do with what Jesus is talking about. Not at all. Not even close. In fact, when you hold up those definitions of, uh, of truth and freedom, what Jesus is saying is so offensive, is so controversial that if, if everybody in the world actually understood what this means, they'd, they'd wipe it clean off universities. They'd cancel this phrase completely because Jesus is saying the most offensive thing you could say to anybody. He's saying you're a slave. He's saying we're slaves. Listen, the, the people he's talking to, get it. This is why you've got to read the Bible in context. Look at, look at how people respond to this. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and I haven't been a slave to anyone. How, how is it that you say you will become free? Now, one thing I want to point out here is the, if you've been with us the last few weeks, the, the, the previous verses in John 8, even back into John 7, you, you heard some of our teachers, we're talking about the Feast of Booths, the celebration that Israel threw once a year. And it was a celebration that had all these symbols to it, like, like water and bread. And, and it was all these symbols because it, it reminded them of their exodus from Egypt and their wandering in the wilderness. And it was a reminder to them of the fact that God provides. But do you know what else it was a reminder of? Their freedom. This is a celebration every year of when God broke us free from Egypt. And so they're sitting there on their independence day, their July 4th, and Jesus says, you're not free. And they, they say, yeah, we are. <laughs> That's what we're celebrating. We're free. Now, now, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He says, listen, I know. I know you're offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me. So you seek to cancel this word. You're scrubbing it off your university walls right now. You seek to cancel this because my word finds no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Says Jesus, you're forgetting who you're talking to. It's us. Remember, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's praise the Lord. He says, no, 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 no. If, if you were Abraham's children, if that were really true, you would be doing the works Abraham did. See, you think this is your identity. Look at what you're doing. It shows it's not your identity. But now you seek, uh, let's see. Sorry, I lost my place. Uh, you would be doing the works Abraham did, but now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father 
did. And they, they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. See, now they're getting nasty. They're talking to Jesus, who was born of a virgin, questionable birth circumstances. Mary knew it. Some other people believed it, and a whole lot of people didn't. We don't know who your dad is, Jesus. We know who our dad is, though. Now they're getting nasty. We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. This truth is too hard. It's hitting too close to home for you. You have your father, the devil. Here he comes. Whew. You have your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And that's it. <laughs> well, where do, we, where do we go from there? You're slaves? I, I, I mean, this is what Jesus is saying, and this conversation gets brutal on both sides. They're questioning his birth. He's, he's saying they're sons of the devil. I mean, this conversation is just brutal. It, but the biggest offense to them starts here when he calls them slaves. They say we're free. He says, no, you're not. He says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He says, here's how you know you're free. You can say you're free. But here's how you know you're free. Who are you following? Who's in charge? Your actions reveal who's in charge of you. And see, it says in Romans 6, Paul picks up on this theme of slavery. He says, if you're in Christ, let me tell you what you were. You know what you were? You were a slave to sin. Sin was your master. Sin ruled over you. But now guess what? Now that you're set free from that, you're a slave to God. Slavery is freedom. How does that work? It all depends who your master is. And if your master is anyone else but God, you're not free. See, this brings us back to the way we define truth. Who's in charge? Culture says it's you. Culture says you do you, I'll do me. Whatever might be true for you, but it's not true for me. Who's in charge? I'm in charge. There's problems with this, though. This doesn't work. Here's why. Here's the problem when we put ourselves in charge. One, our experience is limited. I mean, we know this in the physical world, right? You could come up to me and say, have you ever been to Australia? Australia is super great. And I could say to you, I don't believe in Australia. <laughs> I mean, my, my experience, I've been, to, I, I've been blessed enough to go to Ireland. I believe in Ireland, but I don't believe in Australia. It just doesn't exist. Why? Because it doesn't fit into my experience. Is that nuts? But there's, there's people who, who live this way, even about the physical world. Do you know there's still a bunch of people that are flat earthers? They still believe it. Go look it up. They still believe the earth is flat because 
they haven't been to space. They're trying to fund money to send up their own satellite to take a picture because the other satellites aren't good enough. Because they define truth. How insane is that? And yet, this is what we're doing with the rest of our lives, folks, and it's wreaking havoc in our lives. Because here's, here's the other thing we gotta remember. First of all, my I haven't experienced everything in life. I can't possibly know the whole truth. I just haven't experienced, the world's too big. Experience is too big. Here's the other problem. Our feelings are untrustworthy. I mean, do you know this? Do you know your feelings are untrustworthy? You ever, you ever do something and you think, well, what was I thinking afterwards? How many people, don't raise your hands, how many people have one of those tattoos? It seemed like a good idea at the time. It just felt, felt like the right thing to do. Or, or maybe, do you remember that person you dated? Oh, felt so good at the time. And you look back and you're like, what was I thinking? You weren't, you were just feeling. Now, now I'm not say, saying feeling is is bad. They've done studies. We actually need feelings to make decisions in our lives. We actually need emotions. It's just if we let our emotions run the show, if we let ourselves run the show, we're a train wreck. It all falls apart. Do you ever feel something was true? You just knew it was true. You absolutely positively knew it was true. Like, like a couple weeks ago, I was talking to my mom on the phone catching up with mom, and it was a good, good catch-up, and I, I called on the home phone because I know the cell phone cuts out a lot. If you call them on the cell phone where they are, they don't get good reception. And so I'm calling, talking to her, and she's talking on the handset on the phone, and at, we talk for like three minutes, and then the phone cuts out. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Like, uh, so I call back, and the phone cuts out again. And I call back, and the phone cuts out again, and here, you know what I'm thinking in my head? I'm like, mom, the batteries are dead in the headset. Just replace the batteries. Because, Mom, the problem's on your end. And, and then the craziest thing happened. Later in the day, I, I was on the phone with Rach, and she hung up on me, like three minutes into our call. But, you know, she must have accidentally hit the button because I know she, <laughs> she loves me, I know. And, and then the, I called the dentist's office later that day, though, and then, then the call died out. We lost connection somehow, I don't know, between here and Dallas Town. That, was, that, was, that all happened Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But I was sure, you see it, I was sure there was no problem with my phone. Then I talked to my friend on Friday, who's in Indiana, and every three minutes for the first 40 minutes of our call, the call dropped. We just kept calling each other back, saying, I'm, I'm okay if you are, let's just keep going. And, and then I finally walked inside here, used a phone here, and we were good for the next hour and a half. <laughs> There's a problem with my phone. But I was sure, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt because I felt it that my phone had no problems. The problem isn't me. How many of us are walking around and the problem's us, but it can't be? It can't be because it doesn't feel like us. But our experiences aren't trustworthy. Our feelings aren't trustworthy. And this is why Jesus says that we're slaves. Because you're going around following the slave. The slave doesn't get to stay. The slave has to keep going and going and going everywhere else because you're following a different master. And the self will always keep you going. Listen, the self is always going to keep you going. If, it, if it's about our truth, our feelings, we're just going to keep changing because the truth is just going to keep changing every time our feelings do. Uh, uh, there's, 
there's something we're always going to be chasing because the last thing didn't fill us, fill us up. So, you know, this is part of why so many people, they, they go right into college and, and they pick their career path, right? And how many actually stick with it? Not many. Because they're just, you know what I did when I went into college? I'm like, this was fun. Let me go do this. I'm going to do, go do this for a living. I was an actor. <laughs> that was dumb. Now listen, God used that. God used it all in my journey. Praise God. But what do you say if you're on the throne? What do you say if you're in charge? I just got it wrong. I, maybe I'll get it better this time. Folks, this is wreaking havoc in our lives. What about when we look for acceptance and we feel like we're not accepted? We're not accepted because we don't look like this, because we don't say it this way, because we don't dress this way. And so we got to look around at the world and see what, what else are they doing so that I can change what I look like and what I do and, and conform to whatever I want to be accepted by, to whatever community I want to be accepted by. But it's always changing. There's always a new fad. There's always a new whim. And as soon as I get a handle on the last one, I'm done. I used to think I dressed cool back in high school because I knew it because everybody pegged their jeans. And I, I, finally learned, like, I finally knew to peg my jeans. If you don't know what that is, that's like you, you wrap them up with something we did in the 80s growing up. I, I knew how to peg my jeans. The only problem is by the time I got to peg my jeans and figured it out, it was already like yesterday's fashion. Like I was pegging my jeans when nobody else was. I showed up to school. What's going on? Like I thought we were doing, th- no, we're not. We're not doing that. Okay. See, everything changes our success and our worth and, and our identity, our sense of self. Everything we look at, it's, it's, it's all based on how we feel and we can't, we can't rely on how we feel. This is wrecking us, folks. Let me go to a place that's really intense in our culture today right now about identity, gender. I mean, this is all over the map, isn't it? Here's the thing I, I, I want to say to you. You might be here, you might be listening to the sound of my voice and maybe you say, oh boy, here he goes. You're going to offend me because I don't think what you do, pastor. I, I, I maybe was born this way, but I think I'm this way. And, and, and here's the thing I want to tell you. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say, listen, the most important thing about you is not what you think about you. The most important thing about you is what God thinks about you. And let me tell you this, and I, 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 listen, before we go to gender, listen, here's what God thinks about you. He is crazy about you. He loves you. And all of us, no matter what, were broken and busted from the day we were born, and he is chased after us. And he loves you desperately. And nothing you can do to make him stop. Nothing. Doesn't matter what I say. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's what he thinks about you. Do you know how I know he's pursuing you? Because you're here. Because you're hearing something from his word, even if it's a hard word. And because Jesus came and died on a cross for you to clean out, because we couldn't fix the mess of ourselves. So if you hear anything I say, hear that. But here's, here's why I bring up gender. In our culture today, what deci- who makes the decision of 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 what gender I am. It's no longer, it's no longer the way I was born. It's, it's, it's something else. And so, you know, I, I, I look this up on, this is from the sites of Planned Parenthood and GLAAD and Human Rights Campaign. They define gender identity this way. Gender identity is how you feel. Any, any flags going up? How you feel inside. 
and how you express your gender through clothing, behavior, and personal appearance. It's a feeling that begins very early in life. Gender identity is a person's internal personal sense. One's innermost concept of self is male, female, a blend of both or neither, how individuals perceive themselves and what they call themselves. One's gender identity can be the same or different from the sex assigned at birth. So, so here's, here's my question. Like, I can go to Genesis 1. I can, I can have that debate with you. What does God say about gender? All of that stuff. Like, I can have, but listen. If your gender is what you feel, who's in charge? Just think about it. Who's in charge? How's that working out? How'd it work out with that tattoo or that person you dated or whatever else? It doesn't work because our feelings aren't reliable. Here's what psychologist Martin Seligman said. This guy's a psychologist, does scientific studies and and. And, and surveys and crowd studies. And, and as a psychologist, he summed up some things this way. I don't know if this guy's even a Christian. He says, events have occurred that so weakened our commitment to larger entities, like, like God, like ultimate truth, absolute truth. Events have occurred that so weakened our commitment to larger entities as to leave us almost naked before the ordinary assaults of life. Where can one now turn for identity, for purpose, and for hope? When we need spiritual furniture, this is good. When we need spiritual furniture, we look around and see that all the comfortable leather sofas and stuffed chairs have been removed and all that's left to sit on is a small, frail folding chair called self. Imagine walking into a room and all the leather chairs are taken. There's a comfy couch, looks so comfy, and there's a guy laying across it. And all that's left is one of those wooden folding chairs that you just know is going to collapse. And that's all you've got to sit on. Listen, for the rest of your life. Self? Really? It's going to collapse someday. Here's the thing. The world is full of people. No matter what they say they believe, no matter what they say they believe, listen, your actions reveal your beliefs. Even your feelings can reveal where your beliefs are. The world is full of people, no matter what they say they believe, who are living like the truth is found in me and freedom is me being in charge. And here's the question, are we? Because you can hear all this, and I gotta say we aren't immune to this. You can hear all this and we read this passage and we think, you go get them, Jesus. I mean, there are some people out there who need to hear this, sons of the devil that they are. Because I'm not like that. Thank God I am not like that. How ma- Listen, <laughs> How many of you, when I went to the gender thing, thing, thought, oh yeah, yeah, those people need to hear that. But that's not, that's not me, thank God. I, there, it says that somewhere in the Bible. Thank God I'm not like, huh. I was a Pharisee that stood before God and said, thank God I'm not like anybody else. <laughs> God, I'm the best. <laughs> Thanks. Not like that jerk over there. And the prayer that gets heard is by that jerk over there who says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because I'm not on top, and I've been in charge, and it doesn't work. Listen, we're not immune, folks, because I, you know, part of the reason I had the hardest time with this passage is I was looking at all the reasons why these words didn't apply to us. And then I looked back at the beginning of the passage, look at who Jesus is talking to. It's not the Jewish leaders. It's not the Pharisees who are off the deep end of the law. It's 
Right before this, he says, listen, I'm the light of the world. And it says, Jesus said all these things and people believed him. And we think, woo, go, right? I mean, like they're in, put them in the, like get them in the database, see if they want to be baptized. They're in, they believe. One, let's go preach somewhere else. And Jesus says, no, listen, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, who had believed in him. He turns to them and he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Wait a second, Jesus. I thought belief was belief. Like I, I mean, I believe. Am I, am I in or am I out? I mean, that's what we think when we read this, right? And, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he's saying there's, there's some believers that are going through the motions right now, he says to this crowd, who on the inside and intellectually say, yep, Jesus, you are something special. In fact, you're right. You're king of the universe. And all the while, they're living their lives on the inside. They're living practically as if the truth is in them and as if freedom was them being in charge. And, and, and we look at this and we think, Jesus, you couldn't possibly be talking about us. Come on, it's us. <laughs> you know, me, we're Christians. We, we go to Grace Fellowship Church. I go to a church that preaches the Bible. I listen to worship music during the week. I read the Bible even sometimes on Sundays when I don't have to. And do you get to this place when you read something like this and, and, and you think, well, am, is that me or not? I, I don't know if that's me. Let me look for all the proof that that's me. And, and I towed out a resume and I say, oh, here's, here's why Jesus isn't talking to me because, because I'm a good guy because I've heard this gospel before, because I know you're King Jesus of the whole world, because, 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 because I'm a son of Abraham, because I am so awesome, Jesus. Do you see how quickly that happens? Folks, this is a, this is a wrestling. This, and I know where your minds are going, like, but am I saved or am I not? Like when that, that day comes, when I die, am I gonna be in heaven or not? Listen to me. Like, where are you right now? That's the question. Where are you today? That's the question. Listen, if you're in Christ, you're in him. No one, not even you, can snatch you out of the palm of his hand. But do you know why? Because it doesn't depend on you. Because it doesn't depend on you. Because there's no resume to pull out. Even now, even years after you've said yes to Jesus, there's no resume to pull out and say, oh, Jesus, I'm doing okay, aren't I? See, we... See, the problem with this, when I, when I pull out and try to justify myself by saying, I, I'm, listen, I'm a, I'm a Christian or I go to this church or I do these things or I serve God this way, some of you might be thinking, well, whatever you fill in that blank with, I, whatever, that's what you put confidence in. That's not the problem. The problem isn't whatever you put in that blank. The problem is the pronoun in that sentence, I. Your salvation doesn't start with you. 
It didn't. It doesn't continue with you and it doesn't end with you either. But sons of the devil, really? I mean, Jesus, sons of the devil? We, th- we read that and we say, Jesus must hate these guys. He doesn't hate them. He loves them. Listen. Listen. Like, he loves them. Do you know Al- who else? He didn't even call him a son of the devil. Do you know who else? He-, he called him Satan. Who else did he call that? Peter. Peter. He called Peter Satan. He put that label on him. Did he hate Peter? No. He kept calling Peter to himself. And even after Peter denied him and rejected him, Jesus called him to himself and had invited him back in. Just because Jesus says, sons of the devil, it doesn't mean he hates it. It actually means he loves them. What was he doing for Peter in that moment? He He was saying, Peter, do you realize, do you realize how very, you think you're saying something wise. You think you're saying my truth. You think this is, this is truth from the kingdom of God, but you, you are so far from the kingdom of God right now, from the truth of the kingdom of God right now. This is how opposed you are to it. And, and listen, folks, when we, when we come before God and we say, God, are you, Jesus, are you talking about me? Here's, here's why not. And we start that sentence with I, 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 I. Do you know what that is? That's pride. Like, like Jesus saved me, but I'll take it from here. Jesus saved me, but let's get to work. Right, I can look back on my life and I know Jesus saved me by grace and, and, and I can even see how he's transformed my life. And, and yet somehow I think today, it's all on me. Folks, it's not on you. It couldn't possibly be. You're not reliable enough. See, through, we look back at grace, right? And we... We'll sing it sometimes through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. Twas grace that brought me safe thus far. And I will take the way home. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? And, and Jesus says the pride that's in you, it's the same thing like what made the devil the devil? <laughs> he said, I want to be in charge. I want to be in charge. And and folks, when we put our trust in ourselves, we're putting ourselves in charge and it just doesn't work. And, And so here's the thing. I know this doesn't sound like good news, but this is good news. I I know it doesn't feel like right now this is good news, but this is good news because You know, Jesus, because here's where Jesus meets us. You know, I I was going to get up here, and when I was prepping this message, I said, okay, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I was like scouring. I'm going to find out three or four points and give you some steps and some action points to take home. This is how you abide. This is how you make sure you're in. But Jesus here is not giving us an action step. He's not giving us a formula. He's not giving us to do. He's making an announcement. And it's good news, but it's only good news for slaves. So like, you, you might hear everything I'm saying and say, Pastor, this is heavy. This doesn't feel good. I, I, I don't want to hear this. Like, what if in this moment, 
This is what Jesus has to bring us to, to the end of our rope, our rope, the end of ourselves, to realize there is no way we can possibly not only save ourselves, but, but keep ourselves saved because it doesn't depend on us. What if it takes that to fully, fully trust Jesus? Jared Wilson writes this, life in Christ, abiding life, he says, is following Jesus not on some religious quest to become bigger, better, or faster. That's not what it is. But to become more trusting of his mercy toward our total inability to become those things. That's the journey. That's abiding. It's not a quest to become bigger, better, faster, but to become more trusting of the mercy of Jesus Christ that I, have, I am completely unable to be any of those things. See, Jesus didn't come to be another bullet point on our resume. He, be, he came because we're slaves. He came because we're at the bottom. He, he turns just like he turned to these people. And he said, like, I didn't come because you're sons of Abraham. I came because you're sons of the devil. And listen, this is good news if you can hear it. Because you know what he doesn't do? Is throw up his hands and walk away. I'm done with you guys. No, he keeps telling them, like, listen, you're far right now, come near. You're far right now, come near. Can we look in the, ourselves in the mirror, and even if you've known Jesus for years, can, can you hear him say this to you? Like, there's this one aspect of your identity right now that you think you're in charge of. You're not. You keep thinking you're hitting a, a brick wall and nobody can accept you and it's just, life just isn't working and it's because you haven't turned this part of yourself over to me. Come to me because I'm in charge. Can we hear Jesus say, like, listen, I know these are hard words, but this is why I came. To chase you down and to bring you back. So come near. I didn't become, he didn't come because of who we are. He, he came because of who we're not. We're not okay. We're not righteous. We're not healthy. We're not free. And life does not work when we're in charge. And so Jesus doesn't have an action step for us. He doesn't have a formula. He has an announcement, and it's this. There's a place. There's a couch. There's this lazy boy <laughs> that has your name on it. And all you've got to do is get off up that, get up off that rickety old chair of self that is going to break down anyway. That as soon as you try to relax and lean back, it's going to get you in the back right there. And you've got to shift positions. And as soon as you try to push back on it, it's going to slap you down on the ground. There is, there is a couch of my grace for you to come and sit on and rest in and abide and abide here, and you don't have to go anywhere else. Do you know what Jesus says? He says, the slave, so the slave doesn't get to stay. The slave has to go. The son, the son gets to stay. He says, if you abide, if you just rest in this, if when you have that fear come, am I in or am I out? Like Jesus, am I, am I a true disciple or am I not a true disciple? He, Here's what the sentence starts with, Jesus. Doesn't start with I, starts with Jesus. Jesus, you paid it all. All to you I owe. 
My sin, myself, my old rickety broken chair had left a guilty stain. But you wash it right as snow. And he invites us to stay right here. Let me ask you this. How do you know where you live? How do you know where you, you may come? Do you have to work really hard to live where you live? Well, maybe you do. You say I got bills to pay, all of this stuff. That's not what I mean. Like, how do I know? If I asked you today, where are you, where are you living right now? Well, I, I wouldn't even have to wait for an answer. I could just, I mean, if you let me, I could just follow you home, right? This is, it's just where you go back to. Like if, it, if you're out taking a hike and it's raining and pouring and you're drenched and, and you need shelter, like where do you go back to? You go back to home. And, and, and if you need something that you don't have, you need food and you don't have food, you say, well, I, I'm going to go back home because I don't have what I need. And, I'm gonna, I, and, and what's the backdrop for all of you, your life? It's your home. This is where I live. This is where I abide. I don't have to work really hard. This is just where life happens. And Jesus says, Jesus' invitation is this. This is for where your life to happen. Everything you do, everything you are, everything you think, everything you feel, is not to be found in you. It's to happen right here. Make your home here. Make your home here in me. Abide here in my word. What word? All the words. My word, the sum total of my teaching, everything we've heard in John so far, He's the light of the world that leaves no one in darkness. He's the living water. No one will thirst again. Man, are you thirsty? Abide here. Come home. Get a drink. He's the bread of life which will satisfy your soul. He's the word which is spoken by the Father. You don't have to look for approval anywhere else. You don't have to hear you're in from anybody in the world because he offers that to you, his word, his communication, right out to you is Jesus Christ. This is what he means when he says, the truth will set you free. What truth? It's not your truth, it's his truth. You know what he says here? He says, the truth will set you free. You know what he says a verse or two later than this? He says, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. So what's the truth? It's the sun. It's him. That's it. It's his identity. It's everything he's been saying about himself. This will set you free, the identity of Jesus Christ. So stop resting in your own identity. Rest in his. Some of you this morning, some of you have been resting in who you are. You've been sitting on that rickety old chair of self and saying, this is what makes me okay. This is how I'm going to feel right. This is how I'm going to feel accepted. This is what's true for me. This is what my experience tells me. And it's this rickety old chair that you know at some point is just going to break down if you're really honest with yourself. And and some of you need to come and hear, get up off that thing and abide in Christ. And, And some of you are looking for freedom And you think it's found with you in charge. You think if I could just get control of everything in my life, if I could just have this, if I could just figure this out, it would all be okay. Listen, that's not what makes you okay. It's him. So I know this could sound really, what's my action point? What's my thing to do? This is going to sound really lame. Like, you didn't need a preacher to tell you this. Come to Jesus. Come. Come. I mean, if you're tired and you're thirsty and you're, you're done with yourself and you don't know why it's, life isn't working, I mean, just, it's because you need to come. 
Again? Yes, again. Not, not, not because your eternity is not secure. If you've, if you've come to Jesus and surrendered your life, you are in Christ. But listen, this is the invitation. If you abide here, abide in this truth, not in yourself, abide in this truth, him, like you'll know it. You'll come to experience it. When Jesus says come to know the truth, he's not talking about head knowledge. He's not talking about getting more facts. He's saying you're going to experience this. This is actually going to become your experience. You know how our experience can't be trusted? He's inviting us to an experience that can be trusted, and it's him. And he invites you to true freedom, where you don't have to earn your keep. You don't have to, that that voice that says you're not enough, you're not enough, but it's okay, he is. And you start the the sentence with Jesus. And, And he would invite you today to rest in that and we can do it we can do it because of what he did we're going to celebrate communion today and and so on your way in you should have gotten one of these and if you didn't you raise your hand and 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 there will hopefully be a few folks around to to get you one of those but we're going to celebrate communion in a minute or two here and this is a celebration of the truth Not the truth you've been living in, not the truth you're tired of, not the truth you've been resting in. The truth, the only truth, him. And and, and so if if you're in a place today where you're just exhausted from trying to rely on yourself, I, I would invite you to a few moments of reflection here before we take this and just, just say, Jesus, I need to rely on you again. I'm tired of trusting in myself. I'm... I'm trusting in you for eternity. I need to trust in you for today. And so there's, there's going to be myself. There's going to be a few other people up here. If you need prayer today around this, I would invite you up before we, before we do communion. And, and there's also some of us who haven't been walking free. We've, we think freedom is us being in charge. And life is just not working. It's just not working with, with me in charge, with you in charge. And I would invite you to ask yourself, who's in charge right now, really? Like right now, really? Like I know, he's got eternity, but does he have you right now? He does, but do you know it? Are you surrendering to that fact? You're his. And it's freeing to rest in this because you're not in charge. He is. And so I invite us now just to a moment of reflection to say, Jesus, would you reveal, as I look back at my thoughts today, my actions this week, who's in charge? And I want you to be. There's some folks up here who would pray with you if you need it, if you would like to pray. If not, just remain in your seats and, and just seek Jesus in this moment. And then we'll come back and celebrate his finished work for us. There's an answer this morning, a definitive not what you think, what not what I think. There's a definitive answer. The God of the universe is in charge. It all depends on him. And, and, and we, all of us, thought it didn't. The, the life 
we're made for, the satisfaction we're looking for, the thirst that we need quenched. We, we keep thinking we found, it's found somewhere else. Imagine how f- offensive that is to the king of the universe who made us, who knows us intimately, who knows completely what will satisfy us. And it's not a formula, it's not a step, it's a relationship with him. And here's the craziest thing. The king of the universe, the big guy upstairs, the man in charge, he didn't throw up his hands and say, I'm done with you. But, but he took on very flesh. He became one of us. And, and he faced every single temptation. Listen, this is crazy to think about. Jesus faced every single temptation for self-rule that we do to figure this out on his own. And if there's anybody who deserved to say yes to self-rule, wasn't it him? But, but he submitted to the will of the Father. He says, I'm not, he said it right in this passage, I'm not here because I chose to be, the, the fa- I, I'm obeying the Father. I'm submitting to him. God in the flesh chased us down. And he said, you're, you're never going to be able to do it. Every single time you're going to run off on your own. You cannot hold yourself together for eternity or today. And it's because of that, it's because of that that I've come. And the most, most offensive thing you could do to the God of the universe is say, I'm God. And when we did it, God came down and, and, and Jesus says to us, listen, there, you rejected God in the most ultimate way possible. But I've come. And, and I've not just come to give you news, I've, I've come to give myself. And, and so he sat with his disciples and he said, you guys think I'm coming to rescue you from Rome. You're crazy. Listen. I came to rescue you from yourself. From ruling yourself. And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to offer up my body to be broken. For you. You rebel. You slave. You don't deserve it. I love you. And I'm going to offer up my body for you. And that's, that's what this is just a poor symbol of. Jesus Christ offered up his body broken to pay the penalty of your sin and mine. And he says, anytime you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's do this in remembrance of his sacrifice now. And then Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup, this is a symbol. And it's a symbol of this, that I'm going to pour out all of my blood for you. All of it. Not just for your sins. You know what he called the blood? He, he called it the wine of the new covenant. He said, there's something new that you're going to be able to rely on in your relationship with God. Something completely different. And listen, it's not you. And it's not a folding chair that's going to collapse. 
It's a lazy boy. It's always going to hold you, that you can rest in, that you can abide in. This is the new covenant, that it all depends on him. And we receive that new covenant when we trust in him fully for it all. Let's take this now in awareness of his blood of the new covenant. Jesus, we thank you for you. We thank you that you did not stand far off from us, even though we ran far from you, but you came and chased us down. I thank you that you are still chasing us down. That you are the light of the world. And because you are the light of the world, no one has to live in darkness. And God, we confess we've, we've chosen darkness. We, we've chosen to walk our own way. We've chosen to think we've got it all together. We've chosen to think we know best. And Jesus, we turn to you now and ask you to forgive us for that. Lord, you offered your body and blood as, as payment for our sins. And God, we recognize that we cannot save ourselves. It's only you who save us. So we thank you for being our Savior. And God, we, we recognize that life does not work when we're in charge. It didn't work yesterday. It's not going to work today. It only works when you're in charge. Thank you for being in charge. And so, Lord, we say once again, we call you, Jesus, our Lord. And we invite you to have full reign and charge over us. Have every bit of us. You deserve it all, Lord. God, we thank you that although we've turned in, in and of ourselves to find meaning and purpose and hope and we get stuck, we thank you that we turn to you and we find it all. Meaning for our lives, living in relationship with the God who created us, a purpose for our lives, hope for our future and hope for today. We thank you, Jesus, and we celebrate who you are now. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. People of grace, would you stand with me and let's celebrate our risen King, Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.